Welcome to Crossed Over, the show where you hear stories of people who have been transformed by Jesus Christ, who have truly crossed over from death to life. Well, welcome to Crossed Over once again. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, and thank you for taking the time to either join us on video with YouTube or Rumble or listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to our podcast. Uh, our inspiration for the show comes from John 5, 24, where Jesus in his words says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me uh, has eternal life and will not be judged, but is truly crossed over from death to life. Well, we take the time on these crossed over shows to interview, to bring in uh, people to talk about how Jesus has, has truly um, brought life um, into, into death and has um, crossed over and really impacted people personally. Today's, um, my guest today is no different. Uh, special guest, his name is Jason Romano, and I'll bring him in in just a moment. I want to share just a little bit about him. Uh, Jason is uh, the husband to Dawn, the father to Sarah. He's a speaker, he's an author, um, a media consultant. He's been a church leader uh, for nearly um, 20 years. He's been in the professional broadcast uh, world on the network and regional levels. Uh, as we'll talk about in a little bit, Jason worked for ESPN. If I'm sorry for those of you, if you don't know what ESPN is, I really can't help you. But uh, Jason worked for ESPN for nearly 17 years as a manager and a producer behind the scenes in the radio and also TV uh, shows, example like Mike and Mike in the morning. Uh, Jason's the current host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. It's an interview-driven show that features stories uh, where it's the intersection of sports and faith, two things I'm really passionate about. Um, you can find out more about Jason at jasonromano.com. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Jason uh, to our show Jason, welcome to our show today. Good to be with you, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it is uh, it's a joy, and I will say this, that you uh, have way more Twitter followers than I ever will. <laughs> and uh, thank you for being one of really the only ones after shooting many messages to lots of people for responding and being willing to be on our show today. Absolutely. And I get uh, it's hard, you know, when you start a media platform and getting people to agree. But, you know, I've always said I'm an open book and I leave my uh, DMs open. And maybe it was for this reason, Jeff, for us to be able to connect and, and and do this show. But I am honored to be on your show and I really appreciate you having me. Well, thank you. As it is, it's an honor to have you here. You have an active uh, personal life and professional life and appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to yeah. join us today. Well, the roles Absolutely. are kind of reversed. Um, Jason okay. is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast, and often you could find me in the summertime uh, mowing my grass, listening to your podcast. Uh, your podcast and also Brock Hewitt's podcast, Above and Beyond, are two of my favorite uh, because yes. I am I'm passionate about sports and I'm passionate about Jesus, and, and I love how you, you both combine those two in your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Brock's a friend, uh, a guy I've worked with on multiple um, projects. He's been on my show uh, and I've always been a listener of his. We both started our podcast, interestingly, Jeff, around the same time hmm. in the late or early spring of 2017. So right pretty much as we speak here, it's been four years since both his show and my show launched. And uh, I told Brock, you know, we knew each other a little bit before, you know, when I was at ESPN. Now we know each other very well. 
And uh, and we said there's no coincidence that we've launched both of our shows around the same time. Just felt a calling, both he and I, to bring Jesus back into the conversation and to look at the world of sports from a different perspective and understand there's a really neat um, foundation built by athletes, coaches, and other people in the world of sports that love the Lord and mm -hmm. want to preach and spread the gospel through sports. Yeah. And so that's what we just try to do is be an outlet for that. That's great. Well, I certainly you know, pray the Lord's blessing on you as you continue to do that. Uh, I love Thanks. sports, been a sports fan as we talked before we got on the show recording uh, since I was a little boy. And I often tell people even, even how it's strange navigating how sports is really becoming so political and uh, so yeah. culturally driven uh, that there are so many athletes like you talk about that, that have a platform for the Lord, uh, even in professional sports. So, well, our roles are kind of reversed today, Jason. Uh, you are often the one doing the interview, Ying, and uh, today you're going to be the inter the one being interviewed. So I like it. Let's go. Let's good. Let's go. <laughs> well, we're going to get a little bit into your time at ESPN and now at Sports Spectrum later in the show. Uh, but for now, I want you to to introduce yourself to, to my viewers. Tell us a little bit about... Um, your childhood, where you grew up, what were some of the, your experiences as, as a child that shaped you? Yeah, um, there's experiences that were good and bad when you're going through them, but they all shaped me and formed me into who I am and who I still have yet to become, to be quite honest. And, you know, as a kid, I grew up in upstate New York, uh, in the capital Albany area of New York State, a little town called Ravina, about 2,000 people in our little town. Uh, everybody knew everybody. Uh, there was good and bad in everybody knowing everybody, but, uh, you know, love sports from a very early age. And I credit my, my dad and my grandfather, uh, George Romano for, you know, passing on that love of sports to, to me and my brothers, my two brothers. I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. We're all very close in age. There's four years that separate the three of us. So we were all um, growing up around the same ages, best friends. We still love each other and are best friends today with three brothers in their 40s. Uh, we all have kids, all married with kids. And so life has brought us to where we are. But going back to those early days, you know, I think spending time watching sports as much as I did, which was pretty much it felt like every day, uh, that shaped my love for sports and going into sports. Um, I wanted to be just like every kid wants to be who loves sports. I wanted to be a professional athlete, uh, realized pretty quickly that that wasn't going to happen, especially by the time I got to high school, you know, I, I was a decent athlete and, and probably if I had the right training and the right mentors and coaches, I could have maybe played a little bit higher of a level than I did. Um, the highest level I got to was community college basketball, but that's not, terrible but i would have loved to probably chase after a dream of playing like uh you know division two college basketball or something like that uh, i love basketball that was my favorite sport to play also love football and love baseball and um you know those were my three sports as a kid that i watched that i studied and you know so foundations early on from that perspective were built just because of my dad and my grandfather's love for sports I mentioned there's some negative things too. Well, I grew up with a with a dysfunctional family. You know, a, a mom and a dad that divorced when I was five. Um, a father who you know chose alcohol over his family, including his kids, quite often. He he is an alcoholic and he's been sober for a while now. But you know, those early days, we saw some pretty ugly things. 
um, that probably a lot of kids, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, shouldn't see uh, from their own dad. And uh, you know, we got through it, and we've worked through it, and it's been a process, a forty-year process. But you know, I tell people, you know, going through those things really helped shape me into the person that I am today. Uh, you know, and and honestly, I have never been drunk in my life, which is probably a crazy thing to say. Um, when people think about a person who's in their forties, but I chose not to drink alcohol when I was a kid, probably 16, 17, um, because I watched my dad in many ways, destroy his own life over it. So that's why I say, yeah, we went through some difficult moments with my father and a difficult journey for many years, but what he did, I, I just wanted to be the opposite. You know, I wanted to be the father that he wasn't. I wanted to be the husband that he wasn't. I wanted to be the man in many ways the sober man that he wasn't. So, you know, those, those were big, you know, childhood memories that formed me into the person I am today from a, I guess, a different perspective. Hmm. Yeah. I know, uh, in your, in your book, and we're going to get on a little bit, the uniform of leadership, you talked, um, significantly, I guess, about your dad and, and that relationship. And I think you and I, you and I parallel in that, uh, my, my parents divorced when I was four, and um, mm. my stepfather was the one um, through the years of growing up who struggled with alcoholism and um, how much that impacted me as a kid and things that I saw and experienced. Um, well, playing off, I guess, the tagline, I know the Sports Spectrum podcast talked about the intersection of sports and faith. You know, yeah. I, I've really felt led to start this podcast when the friend here at church said, you know, I've never really heard your testimony completely in the church staff. And it got kind of got me thinking in this year of COVID of using the technology to, to share that. And so really crossed over is the intersection of real life and a real savior. So yes. if you would, and I know you talked more personally, when did things change for you when it comes to um, faith in Christ or when, what were the circumstances surrounding you following Jesus? So as a kid, um, you know, I looked at Jesus as like this guy who, you know, I think was the son of God. And, you know, I went to Catholic church as a little kid with my grandfather and, you know, did my, the sacraments and the things that you're supposed to do as a good Catholic kid and made my first communion and did my confirmation and all of that was baptized as a baby. But, uh, so there were, there were seeds planted. I, I like to say, you know, my grandfather, he passed back in 2007, so it's been 14 years since he's been gone. But you know, he was the one that took me as a kid to church. Uh, my mom was, you know, a single mom working three jobs. My dad, as I mentioned, was my dad; he wasn't around uh, as much. So my grandfather, in essence, had to play the role of father and grandfather and spiritual leader. And uh, you know, he didn't force faith or Jesus on any of us, but. He took us to church and understood that there was, you know, there were some seeds that needed to be planted and, and a foundation that needed to be built. And I was grateful that he did that. I really was. Um, but yet, as I became a teenager, I had no interest in church or anybody to really disciple me or to even introduce me to Jesus. So it wasn't until I got to my 20s, probably 26 or so, that I mentioned I have two younger brothers, my middle younger brother, Chris, he was the one, the first one in our family, I should say, to really what I would like to just determine is begin a walk with Jesus, um, get saved, if you will, uh, if you're using proper terminology, and become born again. And when he got born again and saved, you know, that set into play 
a journey for all of us to kind of follow suit, but it wasn't as easy as it sounds. When he got saved, we thought he was nuts. We thought he was crazy. We thought he was in like maybe a cult. Uh, he changed. Like he went from uh, just a really difficult season of life for him and did a 180. Suddenly he's this religious guy who all he's talking about is Jesus and church. And, um, you know, for me, that was not easily digestible, I guess, initially. I had a lot of problems with with that. Not problems, but I saw that he was so pulled to the church that I, I thought he was neglecting his family for for Jesus. And I was kind of hmm. I was kind of jealous and a little a little bitter by that. Um, but then I watched him over the next three years. This is probably from 98 to 2001. I watched him change and love his wife, Tara, in a, an amazing way. Uh, love on his son, Sam, who is the first Romano child born back in 2021 years ago. I watched him love him and, and just was so impressed with the man that he had become and the different man that he had become and how disciplined he was in his faith how disciplined he was in not partaking in uh things that you know maybe in the past he would have otherwise done i'll give you an example and i won't go into too graphic of a nature but in 1999 we both got married three months apart and he got married to tara you know in a, in a wonderful way with you know the church that he was in and it was just a great wedding and then three months later, my wife and I, who were not Christians, but we got married in the Catholic Church, and you know, we we were living before we got married together, and this things that we weren't supposed to be doing, but we didn't know any better. Um, and I remember at my bachelor party, initially we were just having like a bunch of guys in a hotel room eating some food, watching some some baseball, and hanging out. And then the next trip after that was to go to a strip club, and uh, you know, at the time again. I was not a Christian, so I don't mind telling this, but also remember of where my mindset was. Like there was nothing wrong with that in my mind. Get it? I understand. But my brother Chris didn't go, hmm. and he could have gone, and I bet he felt pressured to go because this was his brother getting married, his big brother, in a couple of weeks. So he wanted to support him, but he's like, Jay, I can't go to that. I can't be a part of that. And it's funny. I don't think I've ever shared this story, Jeff, with anyone. What I just shared with you because. Hmm. Like thinking back, that was pretty profound in my walk. And uh, I don't even think I realized it at the time. But that's how impressed I was with how disciplined he was in his faith. Like he was really trying to, to live the right way. And it was not till a couple years later on Mother's Day of 2001, Mother's Day of all days, right? Um, we're visiting my brother and uh, my mom's there. I'm there. My little brother, Damien, is there. My brother, Chris, is, is his name, the middle brother. And we're at Chris's house. And he invites us to go to church that morning. So we went to his church. Now, Jeff, you'll like this. So I grew up in the Catholic church, which was, uh, you know, what, that, uh, what a Catholic church service is like. It's very calm. It's very quiet. If a baby's crying, it cries, and everybody can hear it. And um it's very, I don't want to call it somber, but very maybe library-like, you know, you keep your voice down to a level. My brother got saved in a Pentecostal church. It is the opposite end of the experience of church. If you go to a, a Pentecostal church, a very gospel-filled, spirit-filled, uh, dancing in the spirit, <laughs> you know, worship, raising of hands, screaming loud, and, you know, loud, um, praising God, clapping. 
the complete opposite end of the experience of going to church. So I went with my brother to his church and I was like, man, this is just whack. This is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. But um, but I remember, I don't remember the, what the message was that day, but I remember liking the idea of like 25, 30, 35 minutes, a pastor just giving a message, whether it's a teaching, whether it's a preaching, whether it's just a sermon, a, a speaking topic. I really liked that. And so after Mother's Day that day, we went back to my brother's house to spend the day and have some food. And my brother kind of pulls me aside and he says, Jay, uh, what did you think of church this morning? And I said, Chris, I said, that's unlike anything I've been a part of. It's a little bit out there, but uh, it wasn't that bad, especially the message. You know, I was still probably a little uncomfortable with worship in a church se setting at that point. But the message really was interesting to me. And I said, it wasn't that bad. And so he's like, come, come here with me. And he pulls me and kind of we walk towards the back of his house and we end up in his bedroom and it's just me and him. And he sits me down and he says, listen, I just really feel compelled to share the gospel with you right now. Would you be open to hearing what it is that he was preaching, what it is that we believe? And I said, I kind of think I know what it is, but sure, please share it. So my heart was open that day to at least hear from him. And he went on to share salvation, the cross, who Jesus was, what the son of God and what Easter meant and, and, you know, good Friday. I mean, really the, the pillars of what Christianity is based on, which I really never took the time to learn Jeff in 26 years. Hmm. And so he asked me point blank, would you like to accept Christ as your savior? And I said, I think I do. So we prayed a prayer and, uh, you know, I tell people I had no idea what I was praying. I, I don't even know instantly if I was saved at that moment because I honestly didn't know what I was saying. But I went on a journey from that day for about another year to learn who Jesus was. And I started devouring books and sermons and watching, you know, pastors and preachers on television, you know. And I remember Joyce Meyer was on every day. And, uh, you know, I didn't know a lot about who who the different preachers were, their, you know, uh, denominations or where they were from. I just wanted to hear about Jesus. And so I found Joyce Meyer every day on channel 372 on direct TV. And I would watch her at like 11 AM while my wife was at work and I would go to work in the evenings at ESPN that night. And, you know, I would get a notebook out and take notes and I was just hungry, right? Like a, like any new newborn is hungry, craving that mm -hmm. milk. I was craving that spiritual milk that the Bible talks about. And, um, so it was probably about a year after saying yes and, and beginning that walk with the Lord that I kind of fully understood the decision I had made and knew I had to get grounded in a church very similar to my brother's church and um, got baptized a couple months later. And that's where the journey began, as I tell people. It didn't end there. Uh, it began there. And here we are almost 20 years later. And uh, it's been a quite the journey. Let's just say that. Hmm. It's amazing how the people, some of the people closest to us have such an impact. Um, part of my testimony is that uh, the young lady um, who's my wife now played a huge role in me coming to faith in Christ uh, mm. when we met in college. And, you know, kind of like you, I, I, I didn't grow up in church. You know, I grew up in South Florida. A lot of my good friends were Jewish or Catholic. And uh, if I would have entered a church like ours today, I would have had a similar experience overwhelmed, a little freaked out, a little scared. Um, but uh, becoming a Christian for me at 21, uh, junior in college, 
truly changed my life. Well, so you were already working at ESPN when you became a Christian, correct? Yeah. So I started at ESPN in July of 2000. So not, you know, not even a year having been at ESPN uh, was when that that walk began. Uh, that was quite the interesting time as well. We can go into that if you want, but just being at ESPN and becoming yeah. a follower of Christ, there was there was a lot of push pull for me, um, you know, being in the world and, you know, you read my book, so, you know, like seeking approval, seeking, uh-huh. you know, uh, advancement at a job, but also trying to stay grounded in your faith and grow in your faith. It was quite the push pull. Hmm. Well, well, let's park there for just a minute. And I do want to yeah. say, you know, for those listening or looking, I'm holding a book, uh, listening or, or watching. Uh, the Uniform of Leadership is a book that I told Jason before we got on that I read last week on a trip out west of my family. It's a quick read. As someone in church ministry for over 20 years, uh, I eat up books on leadership. It was a great book. Uh, thank you. I know that my leadership is going to be encouraged and challenged and uh, strengthened by by your words. So thank you for that. But in the yeah. book, you do. You really... I loved your transparency in the book and how you wrestled with your faith and your role, your roles, multiple roles in ESPN and your journey to be upwardly mobile, pushing ahead corporately, I guess. Um, Share with me, I mean, share with us a little bit about that, that wrestling. Um, How did, what were some of the experiences that really jump out that are worth sharing that of how you're, you know, you struggled, I guess, a little bit, or um, maybe perhaps I'm not asking that. What was some of the impacts your faith had through the years at ESPN? We'll just say that. Yeah, uh, there's a lot there because, you know, initially when I when I became a Christian or I began my walk, because um, I tell people when I said yes that day with my brother, I'm not quite sure I became a Christian right. that day. That's just the starting point. Um, but I began, and I think, you know, initially – especially before that time, ESPN was like, my God, for sure. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that, you know, when I got married in 1999 and, you know, eight months later we moved to Connecticut and I got the ESPN job that there's no doubt I should have been working on my marriage, especially that first year is such a critical year for marriages. I should have been working on that. And I really didn't. I just, got married and we, you know, we, we moved in together in our little place and, you know, we grew together as husband and wife and it wasn't anything bad. Um, but I wasn't intentional about, you know, being the best husband I could be. I was definitely intentional about being the best producer I could be in my job. Uh, and when ESPN came, it was, it was all in on ESPN. Like if they called me at two in the morning, I would have dropped everything and gone right in and done whatever was needed to do. Um, whether that meant risking or neglecting my wife or whatever, um, I didn't care. It was, you know, my job was probably number priority. Number one, I would have told you my wife was number one, um, before Jesus, but not, but I don't think that's, that was always the case. Um, so you can kind of see where my mindset was, right? I was all in on my job and I, I, I don't, I don't think that I was alone in that the people I worked with, I saw a lot of people who were you know, not spending the probably the time that they should have with their family uh, and would always be working and always be on and always have their phone with them. Even as we got into the phone age and digital phone period, they were always kind of always on. And, you know, initially 
that wasn't a big deal to me. But I then as I became a Christian, I think that's when the wrestling started was, all right, I love Jesus. I love sports. I love my job. And I love my wife, obviously. And all of this, we won't get into this unless you want to later, but during this time, we were also trying to have kids. And we went four plus years without getting pregnant after my wife um, and I married. So there was, you know, there was that in the background happening the whole time too. In fact, I would, I would say that played a pretty big role in me initially saying yes to Jesus was, you know, the sort of genie in a bottle that I was looking for my wish to be granted uh, by becoming a dad. So that all of this kind of came into play at the same time. But once I started to understand who Christ was, uh, there was still a wrestle because my wife and I, as as we eventually became parents in 2004, my daughter Sarah was born. Um, you know, that was an amazing moment. That's probably when God real, revealed himself to me. I think early in my walk the most was just being able to have our prayer answered to become a father and become parents. But even after that, you know, as much as I would tell you that I spent time with my wife and my, my daughter, and I know I did, um, there was still this, this level of family on one side, wife, daughter, you know, church on Sunday, relationship with God over here, but still in the middle and the center of most of this was my job at ESPN. Mm. And the priorities weren't quite in order. Um, at that time, I was easily an ESPN producer, easily identified. I was easily identified as an ESPN producer who happened to be a Christian, an ESPN producer who happened to be a husband, who happened to be a dad, who happened to be a fan of the Mets and the Cowboys and these sports teams. Like It was always the ESPN producer identity or identification first. In fact, the church that I go to today Hillside Community Church here in Bristol. When I first started going there in 2003, 18 years ago, I remember walking in there and my pastor, after I met him a couple of times, had no clue what my name was, but he remembered that I work at ESPN. So him and a bunch of other people there used to call me Mr. ESPN. And I thought, well, we're in Bristol, Connecticut. Everybody here is like Mr. ESPN or Mrs. ESPN. But that's, again, the identification, even from my pastors and leaders, was this place that I worked, not who I was. And so that was the wrestle, I think, Jeff. And it wasn't until probably 2009 or 2010 uh, that I finally understood and had this moment at work when I understood that my purpose at ESPN was not to be an ESPN producer, as weird as that sounds. That was my job. That's what I was being paid to do. But my purpose was to be a follower of Christ and live that out everywhere I went including ESPN, including the grocery store, including the mall, including when I come home at night, mm -hmm. my identity had to be in Christ, not in my job. And I think what I understood after that was that I was a Christian first and everything else was second. So if you asked me who I am now, I would say I'm a follower of Christ who happened to have work at ESPN, who currently works at Sports Spectrum, who currently is a dad and a husband and likes the Mets and likes the Cowboys and still loves sports like I do. But follower of Christ has to be first. That's the not just a piece of my life. That's the centerpiece of all that I am. And everything else flows from that. But that's why it took so long, I think, because, you know, the world pulls at you. 
and you're so focused on achievement and praise and promotion that you get stuck in your job and trying to achieve so much that you know your identity can almost get consumed by the work that you do but your identity you know this it's it's been said in churches all around the all around the world our identity is not what we do it is in who we are and who Christ has called us to be and uh, that's true that is strictly uh, that's not my words. That's from the Bible. That is, that is the word of God saying that, that we are to, you know, be identified as ambassadors of Christ. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians, it says that, and that's how I try to live my life. Hmm. Yeah. As someone who's served in student ministry for 15 years here, five years before that, I, I'm convinced that even, even in churches today among Christians, as you're saying, we have an identity crisis. We do. I mean, I think, um, I, I see it a lot in men, particularly. I'm real. Um, I really try to pour into a lot of young men in our church. And I, to me, if a person can grab a hold of their identity in Christ, it's a game changer. Absolutely. And, um, it's and it's it's becoming cliche, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, even in the Christian circles, Jeff, because um, it's the it's the most consistent answer I get from athletes and the different people that I interview is their identity their identity being wrapped around what they do mm-hmm. in many ways. I'm interviewing them because of what they did and not in who God has called them to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right. I, I love that. I actually wrote that down just now because that could be a sermon someday. I think <laughs> we have a legit identity crisis yeah. in this country, not just in who we think we are, but how we view others from a worldly perspective, there is a legit identity crisis. And um, the only way out of it is to turn to Christ. I yeah. believe that. Well, I mean, you have, you have a daughter. I've got four kids. I mean, we we live in such a digital age and throw in social yeah. media on top of it, throw in the perceptions, the the image we think we have to live up to. Um, the, the challenges are just tremendous for us to be something we're not. And I love, I love in the book, you really talked about how you did, you wrestled with that identity and how almost like there was a early part to your time at ESPN, but the last years, how fruitful it was when that kind of the mind shift and the heart shift changed for you, how you saw it really as a ministry. And so um, for just, just a minute, so God did answer your guys, your prayer, you and your wife, uh, you talk in the book about your daughter, Sarah, mm-hmm. um, big softball person, too. You talked about your role <laughs> as a dad. How has particularly, you know, you're like me growing up. I didn't have a lot of tools in the bag as far as personal examples of, of I like you. One of the reasons when I became a Christian for me it was like, I'm, I don't drink. And a big part of it is because of, of what I saw at home. Uh, just yeah. the abuse of alcohol and and just so the destruction there. But even beyond that, with parenting stuff, how has being identified with Christ changed you as a dad, as a husband? Mm, I love that question. I mean, I'll start with being a husband first. You know, it's that's a work in progress continuously uh, for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm so thankful for my wife because she puts me in my place so often, and I need it. Um, especially in the home. Uh, I think when we go out, it's a little different, but in the house where you kind of take things for granted because you live with this person every day, um, she keeps me in my place and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Even in the times that I might, you know, 
not be so grateful in the moment. I, I understand what she's doing and I'm, I'm appreciative to her. And, you know, my identity being found in Christ means that I have to treat her as, you know, um, as my bride, as just like Christ said that we are his bride. Um, I look at her as, as a gift from God and I'm grateful for her and I need to remember that. And like I say, I think in marriage, it's so easy to kind of just take it for granted and the days go into weeks that go into months and go into years. And suddenly you've been married 21 and a half years, like my wife and I, and you're just like, what just happened? And you take it for granted. And, uh, you know, I will say this when I, the one big lesson I learned in marriage was to put your marriage first ahead of your children. That is a very hard thing to hear for a lot of people. It's a very hard thing to actually implement. Um, we, we failed at that quite often, or I'll say I failed at that. I don't want to put words in my wife's mouth, but I failed at that quite often because when my daughter was born, I told you how hard it was for us to have kids. You know, she's our little miracle child, as I, as I describe her. You know, our little miracle child's almost 17 years old now and getting ready to get her driver's license and graduating high school in a year. So that little child ain't so little anymore. But we just, and we only have one child, right? It was so hard for us to have kids and we ended up with one that I think we just poured everything we had into this child. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we love Sarah and we're so glad that we were able to give her things that my wife and I both didn't have. But we did that sometimes at the expense of our own marriage. Um, you know, date nights weren't a regular thing in our house when my daughter was little. So things like that. Um, so that's a lesson there. But I think, you know, how do you also, you also asked how it's shaped me as a dad. I mean, I once preached a sermon at a church in, in Rochester, New York, a couple years back called the perfect father. And, uh, it was about, it was before my, my first book had come out about forgiveness and my own dad, but it was really focused on father's day about how we were celebrating the dads that were in the audience, right? including myself, who's a dad, and but we were celebrating imperfect people, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, our kids are, are great and they'll say, listen, my dad is perfect. He's great. He's awesome. I love him. But clearly we're all flawed and we're all imperfect. That's, that's the whole I idea of why we need Christ. Hmm. But God is the perfect father and our model on how we can love our children could come from, should, should come from him. And that took me a long time because I didn't have the model of a perfect father in my own life with my own dad. Um, so when I became a Christian, I really truly grasped who Christ was, but not only Christ as savior, but God as father. I mean, when you look at what God did, he had such, you know, uh, or I should say, you know, all you got to do is go to John three sixteen. He, I was going to say he had such grace and, and love for us that, he sent his son to die so that we could be reunited, if, if you will, with him. So we could be connected so that we could have access to him through his son. Um, that's a beautiful love, right? That, that you, you really can't comprehend. And when I look at my daughter, you know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. Uh, there's nothing that love is, is such a deep and genuine love that, um, nothing, she could never do anything to earn my love or to do anything to lose my love. Uh, and that's the truth. 
Uh, you could think of the worst things that a child could do. I still would love my daughter. There's no doubt. And I think that's a reflection of how God is with us. Yes, he doesn't like when we sin and screw up and mess up, and we have the right to reject him and to run away from him and to look at him as as anything you know we want, but that does not change how he looks at us. And that is really the game changer when you're talking about parenting. And that's why I think, I don't know why a lot of people struggle with faith sometimes, but if you picture, if you paint that picture, most people can relate to that as parents, most people, because they look at their kids and that is their pride and joy, right? And you think about who God is and we're his pride and joy. We really are. I mean, why else would he have sent Christ to die a criminal's death on a brutal cross with the way that he died? Why, why would he do that? I mean, that's because we're his pride and joy and he loves us so much. So I think when you see that, that's really what I think a, ga- a model of being um, who a father is, and it's a game changer is what I was trying to get to, is how to go about like looking at parenting and looking at being a dad it's to look at the perfect father. Hmm. It's good wisdom there. Um, I like you, you know, you mentioned how, how fast that we can take for granted. Um, time, my dad always said, the older you get, the faster time goes. Seriously. And no doubt. It's amazing. I'm, I have one kid, one, one, of my two older daughters, uh, first year in college, another one graduating this year. And my boys are right behind. And, uh, yeah, I think it's easy. You know, I think I think the challenge for us is, as dads and parents is to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and yes. and model how he leads us to, for our kids. Well, in your book, you you mention a phrase that has been kind of a personal mantra for me. We don't have time to get into, but uh, there were a few years where uh, where I felt God kind of leading me in a couple different directions um, beyond where I am now. And it was easy for me to look and miss where I was. And you mentioned a phrase in your book in the beginning and the end, it's a bloom where you're planted. And that has become something that has challenged me. And I've really, the past, I would say seven or eight years here in my local church ministry, it's been, you know what, God, you've got me here today. You've planted me here. I'm going to bloom where I am. You are now, so God pulled you from ESPN and uprooted you and put you in, in a ministry called Sports Spectrum. Um, share just briefly, cause I know our time's getting quick, share a little bit briefly about your role at sports spectrum and how God's using you there. Yeah. So the idea of bloom where you're planted is that we're such a focused people on looking ahead to the next step that we forget to be great right where we're at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and usually when we look ahead too quickly, uh, it kind of comes back and, and haunts us a little bit, but when we focus on the present and the now and be great where we where God has called us to be, that's when things can really, you know, I think bloom, right? Where you're planted, right? And grow and help you become a better person, a better version of yourself, a better version of who Jesus is when you're present in the moment. And Jesus was like that. Like he was present in the moment in so many instances. If all you have to do is read any of the the gospel stories and you see how present Jesus was in the moment. But then, you know, you start thinking, all right, what's this look like? And for me at ESPN, I started thinking, well, maybe maybe God is calling me away, right? Maybe he's pulling me to a different something. And I didn't know what that something was. And I spent 2016, though, 
recognizing the fact that, okay, maybe God is calling me away, but I still have to bloom where I'm planted. I have to live by the, the words that, I, you know, the moniker that I've uh, been told to by a few people. And in the midst of that, an opportunity to build a relationship with the president of Sports Spectrum came about. And uh, at the time, he wasn't the president of Sports Spectrum uh, because he hadn't purchased Sports Spectrum yet. Um, Sports Spectrum, for, for those listening and don't know, has been a media ministry for 35 plus years. So it's been around since the 80s. 1985, Dr. J. Julius Irving was the first to be on the cover of the then sport magazine that wasn't even called Sports Spectrum at the time, but a year later became Sports Spectrum. The idea is to intersect sports with faith. So take the, the beautiful landscape of sports that we all watch and love every week, and let's figure out a way to bring the gospel into that world or to tell the stories of those that are bringing the gospel into that world. And that's where Sports Spectrum is born. And like I said, it's been around for so many years, um, but the goal has never changed to bring Jesus back into the conversation. And they've evolved and grown over year, over the years uh, with a magazine that we still have going strong today. It's a great resource for people. Um, highly recommend people subscribe to Sports Spectrum's magazine. It's $18 for an entire year subscription. So it's super cheap. It's a great way to sew into our ministry. And it's the only thing that we charge. But the magazine evolved into these, you know, digital age ways to create and consume content, the internet, the website, you know, podcasting, videos, YouTube, things like that. And in 2016, Sports Spectrum was purchased by a ministry called Pro Athletes Outreach. And the president was a guy named Steve Stenstrom. Steve calls me and says, hey, uh, you're doing amazing work at ESPN. Would you ever think about leaving ESPN though and coming to work with Sports Spectrum? And uh, initially I was like, that doesn't sound like a, a smart move because I'm, you know, probably going to have to take a pay cut and probably going to have to, you know, make a lot of more sacrifices to go into this world of ministry. But God had been tugging on my heart for quite a few years to where I could see that this is actually where he wanted me to step out in faith. Uh, there was a lot of prayer, a lot of pleading, a lot of contemplating, a lot of, um, you know, even doubting. In some ways, uh, prayer with my wife, you know, conversations with my wife, usually that's where it started and ended was with her after God. And so once we got through all that and kind of saw what that would look like, you know, Steve made an, an offer and, uh, you know, brought me on board and it was a pretty massive pay cut. It was about 40% uh, less than what I was making at ESPN. It was a contract job. There was no benefits. Uh, Disney and all the Disney benefits that you get from working at ESPN were gone. Uh, but yet I still felt peace. Like this was where I needed to take that next step, that, that leap of faith, if you will. So I took the leap of faith and, and for the last four years, I've been working at Sports Spectrum. I'm now the director of media. Uh, I've been full time with them for two and a half years. And um, I love what I get to do every day in ministry and that's clearly, I mean, you can be in ministry every, anywhere you work, but to be in ministry in the world of sports and be able to intentionally bring the gospel into conversations is such an honor and a privilege. Uh, I host this podcast that you mentioned, and I love doing it, but we're, we're thinking bigger, right? So we have a website where you can read stories every day uh, on the different athletes and coaches that love Jesus. We got daily devotionals there. Um, our podcast has grown into a podcast network of shows. We have five shows now. 
soon to be six. And uh, I'm loving the opportunity to oversee and lead that venture. Um, we're dreaming even bigger with video opportunities and maybe some documentary someday. And, you know, we, we definitely need to have an app soon with Sports Spectrum. And what does that look like to have a Sports Spectrum app where we can have all of our content in one place? So it's just growing and it, we're still only four years in. It feels like it's four years, but yet it feels like it's four days and we have so much potential. And my biggest hurdle right now, Jeff, is to tell people that the, love Jesus and love sports that they can not just go to ESPN to use, you know, my old employer, not just to go there to get sports stories, but to come to Sports Spectrum because they'll get stories with us that they can't get at Sports Spectrum. Or I'm, I'm sorry, that they cannot get at ESPN uh, because ESPN is not asking questions about Jesus. We are. And uh, and so we're honored to do that. Uh, we've grown it to, you know, a couple million downloads of the podcast and we're excited about that. But again, I just think that we're still on the ground swell here of where this can go and and where God can take it. And uh, we just want to invite people to, to join us on the journey. Uh, mm -hmm. If they love sports and they love Jesus, man, they're going to love, I think, what we're about and you know the content that we've been creating and bringing to everybody well keep doing what you're doing i will certainly um put the link to the website to support spectrum um in and in the information for the show and yeah um, I, I do pray for the lord's blessing on you guys as you continue to um i guess represent the lord in in the pro athlete environment Yes, um, I, I enjoyed seeing a lot of your interviews at the Super Bowl, and um, pretty pr pretty envious a little bit of your position. So, a little <laughs> Lord, Lord, forgive me for my jealousy. I guess <laughs> I get it. Listen, if you love sports and you see someone talking to your Man. NFL favorite NFL players about Jesus, there's a I mean, and you love Christ. I mean, that's a that's a cool space to be in. I get it. Listen, I I pinch myself too because. Anybody could be doing what I'm doing, but God has called me to do this right now. And uh, it's a real neat, it's it's really cool too when you're at like a Super Bowl. And this year was a little different because of the COVID. We were on Zooms, but in the past, we would just have access to all the athletes and be able to go to these media conferences. Mm -hmm. The NFL is gracious to give us a media credential. And so we would go in there and, you know, they're hearing about how are you prepping for the game? How are you prepping for this? And what coach this coach meant to you. And then we come up and say, I understand that your faith in Christ is important to you. Can you kind of tell me about that? And they light up and their eyes get big and they're like, yes, I can tell you about this. Let's go. And that might be the only time they get to talk about Christ the entire mm -hmm. week leading up to the Super Bowl. So like I said, it really is an honor when, when I talk about what we get to do, because I understand that not everybody gets to do it. In fact, I think people don't even know about us, Jeff, because they don't know that this kind of content could and should even exist, if I'm being quite frank. Yeah. Most people, when they think of sports, they think of my old employer and that's where they go. And I get it. Like, that's where I go to hear sports. Like if there's NFL free agency news, I'm going to ESPN to get it. And we're not the breaking news outlet. So we're not reporting news like an ESPN would, but we're telling stories that ESPN isn't telling yeah. or any other mainstream sports media platform is telling because we get to bring Christ back into the conversation. And I think if people would, would check us out and find our content, I think they'd be very 
um, pleasantly surprised and hopefully encouraged as well to tell others about what we're doing. Yeah, we'll continue to try to get the word out. I know that uh, yeah. I love sports and, and I love how you, the platform you guys have. And uh, I think I think there's a lot of Christians, too, that just think, like you were saying, they think of the sports world. They think of my faith and they don't they don't. I think a lot of people don't even stop to consider um, the athletes, the personal lives of athletes, and particularly when it comes yeah. to their faith. And so thank you for highlighting those and and um, and keep keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk briefly as we close for two things. Number one, I know you yep. in your your sports spectrums podcast by always asking what God is doing um, in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. We do it a little differently, but kind of similar. Okay. Uh, and so I'll ask the question of you uh, as we kind of wrap up. How is God working in your life today? And if you would, to someone who might be listening or watching this show, would there be a word of challenge or encouragement that God's put on your heart to share? And I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Um I think, you know, my, you know, a lot of us as Christians, but even those in the leadership space, um, you know, follow John Gordon, uh, on social media and John's a leadership author and, you know, a speaker and just really good at what he does. And he's part of this one word movement at the beginning of the year. And I know a lot of Christians who have adopted the one word movement to kind of help them motivate them. And for me this year, my one word was Jesus. Now, in the past, it was things like forgive. It was things like um, intentional. Um, two years ago, it was prayer and, and the word pray. And so I wanted to increase my prayer life. But this year, it was just Jesus. And in the beginning of the year, I just felt like, you know that song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship? I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. Like I have to remember that my faith is not in my job. And I'm in ministry and I love my job. My faith is not in my family. My faith is not in what I do or a podcast or even this conversation. My faith is in Jesus. And so I have to remember to chase after him. So not only is God showing me to continue to learn more and chase after him, but I think my encouragement for those listening is to do the same. Like, don't run towards anything else but him. When life is great, man, run towards him and thank him. When life is hard, even more run towards him and lean on him because he cares for you, right? He said that, cast cast your cares on me for I am here because I care for you. So my, my encouragement and really what he's been teaching me, at least in the first couple months here in 2021, is to continue to chase after him and run after him. And so my personal devotionals this year are all gospel-centered. I'm reading through the gospels in the, in this year. Um, I've read through the Bible in a year. I've done a lot of different devotionals on the epistles and other areas of the Bible, different books. This year, I just want to read about Jesus. And I can read about those in Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians, but I want to read the gospels. And I want to know Jesus like I've never known him before. And, uh, and you know... Am I perfect? No, I still have a lot of work. And there's days where I'm like, man, I, I got to spend more time with the Lord. But that's my goal. That's what I'm chasing after. And I think that's what God wants us to do. He knows we can't achieve perfection because we're not him. But if we're running towards him and not away from him and chasing after him, that's what I've been saying now. That's where I think he wants us to be every day. 
like living a life of urgency, chasing after Jesus. And so that's my encouragement. It's hmm. a good word, and I don't need to add to any of it. <laughs> well, all right, Jason, uh, we are both um, passionate about an organization called Compassion International. Yes. Um, my wife and I have had a sponsorship with at least one child through the years since 1998, um, going on 25 years of marriage. Most of our marriages, uh, we've had an additional child that we've sponsored through Compassion. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk about the Fill the Stadium campaign. Go for it. I love it. Thank you for asking this. So there, this is a really cool initiative with Compassion. Think about this. Um, 70,000 kids because of the pandemic in 2020 um, were potentially left without a sponsorship because of Compassion. You know, normally you go to a concert or a large event and that's where Compassion would show up, right? I would be at a concert watching my favorite bands, you know, play some amazing songs and, and have a great night of worship. And then Compassion would be there, you know, to make their pitch and get potentially... 200 300 kids sponsored at one event so when all of those events went away seventy thousand kids potentially left without a sponsorship and a partnership so actually my boss steve the guy i told you um that i had a relationship with that helped bring me to sports spectrum him and the head of compassion um got their heads together and in a great relationship came up with this fill the stadium initiative the idea is to fill those 70,000 seats and stand in the gap for those that are not going to normally be sponsored because of compassion. So with the pandemic and just this awesome year of, of um, promotion and just getting the word out, getting a lot of our pro athlete friends behind the cause as well, um, we filled about half the seats. So God's done an amazing work, but there's still so much more to go. Um, so my pitch, I guess, would be to go to fillthestadium.com. And uh, if you feel led, even if it's five, ten dollars, um, donate to this amazing cause. These kids are in poverty. Uh, these kids are in really desperate situations. The ones that are being left without a sponsor, uh, basic essentials like food and clothing, uh, education, all of that going out the door because of this pandemic and because of you know this normal opportunity for kids to be sponsored. So. If you have any extra funds or you're looking for a place to sew or you're looking for a place to donate where you know it's going to actually go and save, not just help, but save some of these kids' lives and their families, man, go to Compassion. Go to fillthestadium.com. And I'm telling you, it's a stadium that can't remain empty. You will you will be amazed at the work and the impact that's having, that's, that it's having and it's continuing to have on these kids' lives. Hmm. Well, I'll vouch for it. Compassion International is an incredible organization, and it's not just humanitarian. I mean, those are those needs are there, but they're sharing Jesus every step of their yes, ministry. Christ-centered. So, I, I didn't mention that, Jeff. They're yeah. they're all everything they do Always. is is based on biblical principles, yep. Christ-setting, Christ-centered, and pointing and, and kids getting saved, not just being saved from, uh, you know, the poverty that they're in, but getting saved, yep. like their souls yep. eternally getting saved because of compassion. So it's great yep. stuff. Well, our current child that we sponsor, his name is David. He's in uh, Tanzania, Africa. And so uh, we, we love compassion. So go fillthestadium.com. Yeah. Well, Jason, our time is out today. And uh, listen, it's been a joy. It's been an honor having you on the show. Uh, thanks for being with us. Yeah, Jeff. Thank you, buddy. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me. Well, I love hearing you being talking about Jesus and how he is continuing to pour his life into you. And if it's right in with what we're talking about here at Crossover, uh, it's amazing hearing your story of how he has brought you 
uh, from death into life. And so we pray the Lord's blessing as you uh, continue to seek his face, being a husband, uh, a dad, and also uh, a, a minister as well. Thank you. So thanks for being with us. Well, I do thank Jason for being on the show today, uh, Helen Crossed Over. And as we close today, uh, I do encourage you, please, you know, listen, like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel, go on Rumble, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you uh, hear the show. Uh, when you share it, it really helps us get the word out to hear stories like Jason's today. An amazing story how, um, how uh, Jesus has changed his life and really changed the course, the trajectory of his life. Uh, we want to continue to share more stories. We've got plenty of other stories lined up in the months in advance in the future. And so I look forward to you um, hearing about that. I do want to give a quick shout out to Ryan Sidom and the River City Church. Uh, they're not giving us any money, but we want to give them a shout out. If you like coffee and you like Jesus, or perhaps you just like coffee, good coffee, go to churchplantcoffee.com. Uh, River City Church is in the Pacific Northwest. And the money you give um, to their coffee efforts will go to help plant church, churches in the Pacific Northwest. Well, our time today has come to an end on Crossover. And as I close all of my episodes, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have hope. And don't forget, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And as you heard in Jason's story today, uh, God sent his son, Jesus, so that you would have life and life to the full. So open up your heart and life. You have a Savior who has given his life for you. Until next time on Crossed Over, I'm Jeff Johnson. Thanks for joining us.